Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is 51 First Dates, a podcast about a dating room springer, about dating and feelings and not having feelings and all of the things we're so happy you're here (laughs) thrilled you are here and thrilled to have an awesome episode for you today i don't know what i'm doing um with my voice (laughs) we are talking (laughs) we're singing it's i before we recorded kimmy and i just chatted for like i was like i'm in a very chatty mood um which is (laughs) Liza, me too. We can I just quickly recap. We talked about Robin Hood sports betting conspiracy theories, um, bedtimes, uh-huh. Better Call Saul. Like we just went yep. through it all, and At, it was great. All the most important topics, <laughs> uh, and we're going to continue to talk about important topics with our very special guest Natasha Chandel today. She is the host of the Kinda Dating podcast. And we had a great episode with her. We talked about commitment issues. Um, we she's like lovely and smart and funny and very, very like well spoken about dating. Um, and I think we had a great chat. So we'll have that a little bit later in the episode. And you can also catch us on her podcast. I don't know when it's out, but it's fun. I love when we do swapsies. And so you can go listen to us there. You can listen to her here. It's all fun. The conversations are sort of related because we've recorded them in a row. Yeah, but also we talked. I feel like we talked about mostly we we talked about dating the whole time, but totally different topics. Because yeah, the, the three of us just talked for like two hours, so her episode and our episode really cover I think different ground. So it would be fun to listen to both. Um, and yeah, overall she's just like a very cool person. And also I took a lot of inspiration from the way she did her business on her podcast. It which was, was very smooth and professional, truly beautiful. I mean the you know. Calm, cool, collected, beautiful vocal that she delivered all of her Instagram handles with, her co-hosts, Aisha's handles with. Like, it was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And thank you for inspiring us, Natasha. And here's our shitty version of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Liza, I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Follow us on social media at 51firstdatespod. Join our secret Facebook group where everyone is friendly and nice and cool and talk about dating and complain about dating if they feel like it. And um, please uh, subscribe to our Substack, which is our weekly free 99 newsletter. Um, just about feelings, dating, all kinds of stuff. It's It's sort of like we talk mostly about dating here. We are a little bit more like personal cover some like shit that's going on in our lives plus dating plus content plus silliness there um and we also by at the request of a very smart listener write out all of our content consumption that we talk about consumption and consumption corner here and we've been writing it out and linking it in the um sub stack so it's actually like super easy for you if you hear us talking about something and be like oh what were they talking about you can find it there and if you wouldn't mind, please rate, subscribe, and review. And everything is linked below. That wasn't that smooth. I, you know what? It was perfect, Liza. And you know what else is perfect? This week's Substack newsletter, Precious Gems. Liza came on in, and it's so fucking good. I was delighted. It's part of my consumption corner. It's all about pandemic content fatigue and just general fun quips from Liza. I mean, this is the mood you've all been waiting for. So if you haven't checked out the Substack yet because you're like, oh, Kimmy's going to be cheesy about being single again, please check it out this week because Liza's first Substack is amazing. Let's call it first newsletter. Sorry. I keep saying Substack. <laughs> it's like so weird. <laughs> it definitely sounds like a kind of like 
software you would use at work that you hate where it's like oh I got to go put invoices in the sub stack or something <laughs> but it's not it's very fun um how okay so does that bring us to consumption corner I think it brings us to consumption corner uh but you know before we get into commitment issues yeah we'll see uh Liza what are you consuming I continue to have like nothing new because I'm so deep into the shit that I have already talked about and I know that's like not good oh you know what I started listening to we've talked about this separately we talked about it a little bit on the Patreon but um I started listening to Untamed based on your wreck from last week and wreck. like I wreck completely sorry yes <laughs> I like completely agree with you and like it's not life-changing but I'm like absolutely digging it yeah right like it's something where I'm like okay I kind of knew all this stuff but it helps to have like a smart person say it all in one place you know she says it well I think I think she's articulating things I've never articulated or been able to articulate like even internally and yes it feels like good it's not bad it's not I was worried it was going to be some toxic book and maybe it is and I just don't know it yet but yeah, all in all, I'm I'm very glad I shouldn't be more embarrassed than I was to have spoken about it. No, I'm I'm absolutely digging it. It's been like a really good I've got the audiobook, I'm listening to it, um, which is always nice. She reads it, which I think is cool. I love when the authors read their books. Um, and it helps with my absolute, like complete inability to focus, to sit down and focus on a book right now. So I am really enjoying that. Um, and then other than that, like it's just I'm just continuing to cruise through Better Call Saul, rewatch Top Chef, and like it's all the same shows. I'm so deep into all of them that I feel like I'm not um I'm not turning anything over quickly. But maybe I will get through them, and then next week I'll have new content to share. Liza, I think you know we're all in a content rut. Your newsletter is so good talking about that. I was about to say I have nothing new as well, except that I watched a new show last night, despite my fatigue. It's a little bit difficult to access unless you have cable or a cable-adjacent service like YouTube TV, but I started Stanley Tucci's CNN Anthony Bourdain-adjacent show all about Italy, searching for Italy last night. Oh my God, my mom is very into it. My mom and dad are very into it. They've made some of the recipes. Oh, yes, yes. They like the recipes, they show you the steps to the point where we were like, could we make that pasta? There's this amazing pasta they make with zucchini on the Amalfi Coast. <gasps> my mom made is that. that. What she made? Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I should say my dad made that. My dad's really the cook. My mom probably sous chefed it, but. Well, we know your dad crushed it. Like, your last name is Renzulli. Let's you know, just remind us all of that. <laughs> they loved it. And they made Negronis. Like, they're really, really into it. I have been meaning to watch it because love Italy, love Tucci. Love Italy, love Tucci. Yeah. And really, like, did not know his life story at all relationship-wise because his beautiful wife is on an episode who is Emily Blunt's sister. Did you know this? You did. I did. Okay. But, like, I don't know how I knew that. But – they live in England, but this is his second wife because his first wife passed away. I'm sorry. The, the Actually, the tone of my voice right now is not appropriate, but she passed away from breast cancer mm-hmm. in 2009. And then he went to Emily Blunt's wedding because of Devil Wears Prada. And that's where he met his now wife like a few years later. And can I tell you one more relationship gossip yes, about him? Yes, of course. I don't know if it's real it's from Wikipedia, but apparently his wife who passed away, they were together. They had a, a few children. He had an affair. They got back together after with Edie Falco. Is this something I just no missed? fucking way. I had no idea. They were in Frankie and Johnny on Broadway together. Is that the name wow. of the play? Wow. Yeah. What a pair yeah. of fucking power power Italian-Americans. I, what what an affair. Like, it could yeah. be someone fucking with me on Wikipedia, you know? So just please don't go to, like, don't go wow, to page interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, there you have it. I do really want to watch that. I love a good travel and food show. It's, like, obviously love, love Anthony Bourdain. I've been got into Padma Lakshmi's show for a while, Taste of the Nation. Like, I, I like mm-hmm. a go-to-a-place Figure, find out about the place, get some food knowledge. It's a very good, good vibe. And it made me think of you, Liza, because, well, A, Italy, but B, uh, you were watching Bourdain episodes more recently and mm-hmm. I had watched a couple and like I just think about the way, this also makes me think of you as a film professional, but 
camera, the, the quality of these shots. I was thinking about if Anthony Bourdain's old shows were shot on the same cameras that we have now. Mm. And yeah, I, I, I was interested. I love going to places when I can't leave my home. A hundred percent. I'm missing it so much. And like these shows are making me feel so like, ah, I'm going to travel again one day and it's going to be great. Um, That's a great one. I might start that tonight. Yeah, it's very fun. And again, it's, I hope they put it, when I searched it on my TV, like I used the search on Mirrorboat, it brought up Hulu, which has like a page for it, but no episodes yet. Mm. So maybe it's going to also go to Hulu. Though CNN is owned by HBO or Warren, I it I feel I feel it's only two episodes so far. I hope it goes somewhere streaming. But also, if you have any cable login, you can totally access it on like the CNN app or whatever. Nice, cool, good. good. Sorry, I got really intense there about exactly no. what streaming service because I I don't want to recommend things you have to pay for. Like I yeah. I understand I understand that it's annoying. No, I know it's hard. That's why I always feel bad about Drag Race too, because it's like it's not easy to watch online, and that continues to bump me out. I think it will be soon. Isn't it going to Paramount Plus? But actually, will I sign up Ooh. for that? Who knows? But it will be easier. Yeah. There will be a free trial, and you can binge, binge, yes. binge. That is, the and there strategy. are now some free seasons on Amazon Prime with a Prime subscription, I believe. But it doesn't matter. It's you know, there's plenty of content. There's plenty of free content. <laughs> but it's also so hard to find. No, but it's yeah. just. Uh, that's about it for me and consumption. Cool. Um, all right. Should we get into our, we're going to briefly, what are we going to do? Those questions? Yeah, let's do them. Okay. Shout out to Natasha. She, prior to our interview on her podcast, sent us six rapid fire questions. So these are all credit to Natasha and kind of dating, but we never got to them on her recording. So I thought it could be fun if we just did them really quick. Liza, I don't even you're pulling up your phone I don't have my answers I don't know where I wrote them down but I thought it would be fun if we just did them kind of rapid Let's fire do together okay I didn't plan mine so I might be slow oh but no. I'm ready that's good okay so one is what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner if they laugh at my jokes mm, that's good I was gonna say posture I was just picturing walking into a bar and not not posture like it has to be good or bad but just like what's the vibe like are they nice to the bartenders are they looking nervous which is also cute that's how I look at a date you know I think that's a little bit about a first date versus a potential partner but okay rapid fire oh yeah mine is not a first impression thing at all that what a horrible answer no you're right you're right no 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 because I don't walk up to someone and say like knock knock who's you know like I don't like okay I, an actual first impression thing I look at is if they make eye contact when – if there's, like, a warm greeting. Mm, you know, yeah. if they make eye contact, if they go on for a hug, if, they're, if their physical self will, like, connect with you. Yes, I like that. Because I think smile – yeah, smile also popped into my head. But it's not smile in the sense, like, having a great smile. I'm a dentist. Your teeth look great, you know? It's more like yeah. you're warm or you're cold at an asshole. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll ask you the next one. Ready? What is your one deal breaker? Mm, uh, I can't remember what I had thought about prior. I think being rude to people around you. I, I think I'm a little caught in the first date thing. But manners, not that you have to be proper, but just like being rude, I feel. Is yeah. My one deal breaker? Sorry, hang on. And then being and rude to hard. my friends and family, too. Being yeah. rude, generally. I'll just I'll yeah. go with that. What about you? Mine's, like, sort of similar. Basically, like, being unethical. Mm. Like, that kind of sounds... That's, like... I feel like that's very broad. But, like, lying, cheating at things, trying to cut corners, like, not doing a good job at things, not putting a lot of, like, care and attention into things. I, I just don't like that. I just think it's, like, a sign of a bad character. That's an excellent, excellent deal breaker. That's one we should all have. Okay, Liza. But like I'm probably a little bit unethical, well, whatever. Same, but I, same, I'm same. aspirationally not. But if other people are noticing the fact that you're unethical, like then it's a problem. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm sure you and I are unethical in tiny ways and it's so okay. Yeah, but it also <laughs> even covers, but I think a little bit covers like being rude to waiters or something where it's like, yeah, why would you yeah. do that? And maybe it's like being, I don't know what it is. There's something about being like, Lying, sneaky, rude, like any of that. I guess this would be a lot of people's deal breakers. But the, the lying thing especially or like 
cheating on anything, even not cheating on me, cheating at a game or trying to like celebrate because someone gave you back like too much change or something like that Ooh, to me is yeah. so gross, you know? Yeah, like not caring about yes. when things are ethically ambiguous or, or yeah. morally corrupt, let's say. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, you ready for the next one? Yeah. What turns you on? Oh, wait, sorry. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. That was your turn. That was your turn. Was, that was it my turn? turn? <laughs> yes, it absolutely was. Okay. Um, fuck, I already used this, but this is just the first thing that comes to my mind. Eye contact. And, like, a lot of eye contact. Like, you don't even have to touch me. If you're, like, looking into my eyes, like, I have a boner for you. I have a boner for eye contact. Just hearing you say that. I would say my other one is, oh, this is this a turn? Yes. Kimmy, stop doubting yourself. Just sense of humor. It's so basic. Everyone will say it. But I really like someone who can self-deprecate. It actually makes me very attracted, especially because I date straight men. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's hot. Yes. Yeah, when someone's self-deprecating instead of like self-aggrandizing, I'm like, that's actually a sign of confidence. When someone is confident enough that can be, they can like talk shit about themselves yes. like in a funny way, I'm like, that is the – anyone who is talking themselves up is – not a confident person, I think. Yeah, and the and the biggest boner kill, 100%. Okay. Totally. Boner killer. I enjoy how much we're talking about boners on this podcast of late. We love it. Okay, tell us one of your dating slash relationship strengths and one weakness. Okay, I'll start with the weakness because we're self-deprecating on this podcast. Uh, I think I am too reactive. I know that I am too reactive in all relationships in my life, and it's something I've worked on, and I'm a Scorpio, so... I think my You're strength. You're very honest. I, I oh, you think I'm honest? I mean, I'm saying if you if you're ever reactive, I think it's also a sign of honesty. Well, maybe you know? it's also because I like. Well, you know how reactive I can be. I've gotten better, I think, over the years. But I would say my strength is like my loyalty slash I maybe honesty. I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You have many of many relationship strengths. Um, my. I'll start with my weakness as well. I tend to like just shut down and want to like not talk about shit in a way that's like useless. But I'm going to pull a you what you just did to me <laughs> the way that is very useful as a this is why we're friends because I'm reactive. Liza can do that in any situation. She's so good at not always shutting down, but just like knowing when it's not fucking worth it is also important. So just sometimes but then sometimes I'll like decide it's not worth it like I've done this in romantic relationships I'll be like it's not worth it and then like a year will go by and I'll be like why isn't this relationship working <laughs> you know it's like yeah. I and I know that's happened to other things at work and you know it's like I whatever but again I think I've gotten better at it <laughs> I'm trying to get better at it and then a strength is that um I think I'm a really good listener I like you listening are. to people's to people's stuff and like and like trying to help them solve it or just like be a be an empathetic ear. You are I, an empathetic like, ear. Genuinely enjoy doing that. Something Liza doesn't do is judge unless it's a fun judgment moment, you know, where like we're judging people <laughs> and it's right to judge them because they're awful. You know, that's that's the only time you judge. I tr- I try to keep a, an open mind to everybody except for people who are dicks and annoying <laughs> people <laughs> this is the thing it's like it's so funny because you said it exactly right i love when someone's like get the popcorn like supreme court is in session someone's getting judged like mm-hmm. i'm the first one to be like i'm here <laughs> but um it is fun sometimes okay oh this is a toughie liza what is love i mean like i literally have no idea baby don't hurt um, me <laughs> I feel like it's um, feeling completely comfortable that, like, you won't be judged for being yourself. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about tooting and not feeling judged for it. No. <laughs> exactly. I That's exactly yeah. it. <laughs> Let's just end that there. We can't. I, I can't. I don't, I don't have a good answer beyond that. What do you think? What does your gut say? Um, like just caring so much about someone that it or like not that it hurts because that's so cheesy I don't know it's so weird it's 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 not anxiety but you're just like oh this is so borrowed from untamed kill me now it's like 
meeting this person, you're like, oh, wait, now it's really sad. Death is sad for the first time because I don't want to lose you. Like death with my family, I've I've, like known over the years, but like I'd actually be really sad if I, okay, that's Glennon Doyle just coming out of my mouth, but. You know, I'm about it. I think it's true. I identify with that. I feel like it's very real. Yeah. Like I, I, like last. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I have I nothing to upset. add to that. I've embarrassed myself already. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, you look like you're about to say something profound, and then I was like, here you go, interruption. I promise I'm not. I just had a sip of vodka soda. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, last question. Besides I love you, what three words would you want a partner to tell you? Um, You can choose or pick. Like, <laughs> sorry. Like you can pick the TV show or the restaurant, Liza. We had this conversation recently. This is bad. I'll think of another one. Mm. But like, it's your turn. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm it's so your sick turn. of our. It's always your turn. That's the dream. <laughs> I want it to always be my turn. Same. And I know that. Yeah. It just says, "What would you want a partner to tell you?" And frankly, that's it. Like, it's your choice. It's your turn. You pick. You can yes. pick. Like, <laughs> that's my vibe. Oh my god, a hundred percent. Wow, what a great answer. Um, what would I want them to tell me? Like, uh, I don't know. I feel like a million things. So it's hard to like narrow this down to one. Like, you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're a model. No. Um. Yeah. Okay. This is. I would want them to tell me like. Ah, this is so hard. I'm trying to like get at a big concept in three words. Yeah, three words is hard. Just say it in seven. Who cares? Okay, great. I feel like I, I, the thing is like, I guess it's like, I got you. (laughs) Like, I want to know, like, kind of no matter what I, and where I go, what I choose, whatever, like, they support me and what I need. And it's not about, like, me staying in some kind of box that is, like, pleasing to them. I love Not it. that I've ever experienced that, but I just think a lot of people do. A lot of people are like, well, you said we were going to like live here and do these jobs. And like now we have to do that because that's what we promised each other. And it's like, yeah, but people change and people grow and whatever. So I feel like it's just kind of, I want someone to just be kind of like, I got you. We're in this. We're going to figure it out. Like, yeah, that's the vibe. But I, like I don't it. know that that's the, <laughs> that's, no, I mean, it took me 57 words. No, sorry. I think concepts. it's really good. I have two thoughts. One, it reminds me of We Got Y'all from Insecure, where she works. In oh, like my God. One. Yes. No, but aside from that, in reality, I just love how we both have things that are, I'm going to be silly and then be serious. They're both like, I got you. Like, we can be independent ladies and still have love. Like, we're, we're like, it's about us, you know? Maybe yes. that It's about me. Maybe that's mine. But, but that's important because I think it's just a reminder to everyone, like, or to me, especially – for the many, many years, I was like, I'm single. Now I'm re-. But like, you can be an independent human and then happen to find love or not happen to find. You don't have to be anti-relationship. You don't have to be pro-relationship. You can just be a human floating, again, talking to my younger self. And if a relationship makes sense, then you can enjoy it. I, I, I apologize for totally. that. <laughs> no apologies. We need to... We need to make an apology swear jar or something. Oh yes, we can donate I do to it charity. Too. That'll be good. Yes. Yeah. 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 If somebody wants to tally up all the times we apologize, I'll absolutely donate a dollar for every time. Oh, but then we'll um, want to donate. <laughs> I can already see it working. We'll have to donate to something awful. Wait, Liza, this is what you've said before. We'd have to donate to like Ted Cruz. Yes. <gasps> then I would stop. This is the thing is to disincentivize you. Yeah. No, we could never. Oh, we would <laughs> but never. We, we could would never. <laughs> Sorry. This is like at some point I was in a writer's group where we would send checks to people. Did I talk about this on the podcast or in something else? I don't know. But recently we talked about this. Maybe it was. Yes. Yeah. I sent a check to somebody like with it, with like a pre-addressed envelope or whatever to basically Donald Trump's re-election campaign and someone who I abhor. And I was like, if I don't finish my draft, you mail the check. And it was the most incentivized I've ever been. Ugh. And then she sent me a video of her tearing the check up. And it was like a great thing. Like I knew that. Ch- I was like, there's. I will rip out my kidneys before that check gets sent. But anyway, let us know what you think about the idea of an apology jar. <laughs> yeah, We've gotten your <laughs> and feedback. And we should donate. You know, we know you want it. So... <laughs> Well, that was fun. Okay. Thank you to Natasha for those amazing questions. And, you know, that was a very fun way to 
entree into our amazing interview with her. She's going to give you the real real on dating in such a lovely and articulate way that we never have been able to give you. So I hope you enjoy it. All right, everyone, we are back with Natasha Chandel, the host of Kind of Dating, the podcast I feel that many of you have already listened to um, in tandem with this podcast. And if you're not, you must listen now. Natasha, thank you for being here. Sorry for that wild intro. <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, I we're like uh, dating podcast sisters. I know. I've, I, this has <laughs> you know, been a long time coming. I feel like we've been watching what you're doing and just like have similar guests on. And it's really fun to do an episode with a fellow dating podcaster. Same, 100%. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're thrilled to have you. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. We're going to get into some talk about commitment issues. We're going to chat dating, podcasting, etc. But first, as always, we love to ask, do you have a worst first date story? You know, I do. Um, I I think I was somebody else's worst first Ooh, date. We love these. Yes. Yeah. Because so um, I'm East Indian and, uh, you know, I don't have the typical type of where like my family was trying to, you know, force me into marriage or whatever. I've never really had that kind of thing. But there was a period of time I did for two years where my parents did try and they were like, we want to put you on like an Indian dating app. And I was refusing, refusing, refusing for so long. Then finally, I was just like, fine, fuck, get off my back. Like, do whatever the fuck you want. I'm not going to be a part of it. And so in the Indian dating apps, you can actually specify it's a parent-run account. Ooh. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yes. So like they know that, okay, either they're just, they're talking to a parent or it's another parent talking to another parent. And so this, so they set me up on a date and, you know, and then they were like, no, no, he's a cardiologist. Like, it's great. And I was just like, are you guys sure? And then, you know, they gave me this, who do you think you are lecture? And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm not saying anything, but fine. So then the date comes and they go, we're going to come to the date. Oh. And I was like, what? And I, and I'm talking like, like my parents are from like, I've, grown up in Canada my basically my entire life like they know not to do this and they were like no no he knows it's a parent-run account and I was just like no this is just like this is mortifying you cannot come to this date they were like yes we can he knows what the rules are and at that point I just was like I'm a tv writer and I was like fuck it this is gonna be a good story I was like sure come so they came on this date this poor guy California Pizza Kitchen just was like <laughs> so, so like thrown off his game. Oh. He just didn't know who to talk to. Like my dad who who's like this, like he looks like Jesse Ventura, you know, the politician <laughs> like that's how my dad looks like. So he's just sitting there kind of stern and angry looking and, and not talking much. And this poor guy's trying to make conversation with me. Um, and then he uh, ended up um, texting after the date being like, I have never been in that situation before, but I would still really like to see you. And I was like, oh. no. But I did get to show that to my parents and be like, guys, look, I was right. Yeah, yeah like I know more that. about dating apps than yeah. you do. I yeah. was like, <laughs> correct. I am and then in this they generation were... who has dating apps. <laughs> yep. And then they were like, okay, okay, fine. We'll leave you alone. I was like, great. Wow. I let you fuck things up twice. That's I hilarious. How don't know what I'd do in his shoes if there were parents on a date. And I know, and I am a white girl, so that's a little ignorant of me to say, but just like. No, even as an Indian, I, I mean, that doesn't happen. Okay. I'm, I'm, like, this is shit that would happen. Like, you know, we're talking Bridgerton and chaperones. Like, yeah, yeah. that's that level of, it's like, that doesn't happen now. Yeah. Also, just never mind, like, anything else about it. Like, one person having like it has like an interview quality anytime it's like one person meeting up with like three people you know like it's just it's like okay I gotta like answer questions like they know each other I don't know that like it's you know like I feel like I would get into social anxiety even with much less like pressure on it being a date even if it wasn't a date oh my God. <laughs> yes I know I sometimes I'm like I should have just given him a second date to make up for the horror I put him through but then I was also like he'll get a funny story to tell somebody else someday yeah oh and wait I have another question did your parents set up your profile on this app as well 
Oh. Yeah, they did everything. I didn't even see it. I didn't look at it. I was like, leave me alone. But they they said they put up my profile. And this is not uncommon for, it's called shadi.com. It literally means marriage.com in Hindi. And uh, they said I had 3,200 matches. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Damn. And that's just like, well, that's, you know, you put up a girl's picture on those apps. <laughs> blows wow. up. Impressive. I mean, I, I would feel it. great about myself. If I, I mean, I did. I did. I yeah. did. Except I did not want to look at it. I was sure. like, I don't want to see what my parents wrote about me or what yeah. picture they used. Or I don't God. know how my family would frame or position me on a dating app, quite frankly. <laughs> my parents would be like, she's a mess, but she means well. Please take her. Like, we're <laughs> no. worried. Do your parents like is do your your guys parents say anything about your statuses? I don't know if you're single or no. So uh, we're both in relationships. Lies is engaged. I'm in a relationship, but and have been for three years. But and I, I met him through this podcast. Like I used to go on the dates for this podcast, uh, but was never in a serious relationship really before then. Had dated a lot of you know, fuck boys and just yeah. gotten my heart invested in people who did not want to be invested in me. So my parents were never putting the pressure on, but I could feel this like a little bit of sadness of like, where's mm. the guy coming home? Like I told them a lot about like, well, there's all this culture in New York with dating apps. I tried to like explain it and we've made a lot of dating content even when we used to make video together. Like, so I think they knew my general, you know, it's not me. I feel like I had to prove that I wasn't like, I don't know that I was worthy of love, which looking back in hindsight is wild because it's not a crazy thing to be single, especially in your 20s or ever. It should be normal. But yeah, 100%, especially in your 20s, especially in New York. Are I you know. kidding me? That's the best time to be single. Yeah. It's funny. Like my parents are very, tend to be like very low key. Like they don't have a lot of expectations of me, of my career. Like they're very happy. I have like a creative, non-traditional career. They, they, they tend to be pretty mellow about things. But they definitely like I was with my my partner for I've been with my partner for seven years and we've been engaged for like six months. So they Congrats. have been for a thanks. They've been for a very long time being like, OK, so when are you getting married? And I was like, never. Like, I, like you know, we don't need to. Uh, listeners have heard my all of my uh, multi multi my rainbow colored views on marriage. Um, But yeah, they definitely like have expectations around like, you know, get married, have kids, like they want that. Um, the, the traditional timeline, even though, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're, and you're I, doing Oprah and Stedman. That, yeah. yeah, that's my vision is yeah. like, I think it's going to be mellow and I, <laughs> whatever. I'm, um, I'm with you, if that makes you feel like Yeah, it. yeah. It's, I just think, you know, it's uh, it doesn't feel to me modern, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Do you, girl. Listeners are are just like, Liza, stop talking about how you don't want to get married and are getting married anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. But everybody loves it. Speaking of which, it, again, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm talking about myself um, <laughs> when we are supposed to be talking about you. Um, what is your, this is our other, our other cheesy icebreaker. What is your relationship to relationships? How, how did you grow up thinking about them? How were you taught to think about them? How has it evolved since then? Like, how do you see relationships now? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, um, you know, I started kind of dating because, um, it, and you know, a sort of our focus or we called it kind of dating because it was the joke of like, nobody says they're in a relationship anymore. And I always wanted to talk about it from the point of view as a, a, of a former commitment phobe. Mm -hmm. So I was like a hardcore relationship girl. I was in these back-to-back -back serious relationships, four years, two and a half years, and then a year. And then I ended up in an abusive relationship, actually abusive, and then went the other way. When I came out of it, I was like, fuck it, can't beat him, join him. And so for five and a half years, I went fucking buck wild and fucked whatever I wanted, who I wanted, did whatever I wanted. And then, you know, hated commitment. I was like, I don't want to be your girlfriend. I don't want any of this. And then kind of came out of that through years of therapy and, and I am what I now call a reformed commitment phobe where I've seen both sides. I know what I did when I was in that phase, but I also know what it's like to be in a relationship. Um, of course, you know, being East Indian, uh, your entire life is like as a girl, the idea is you were born to be married. <laughs> Basically, it's like that's when your life starts, when you're married and have kids. And I just never had that 
seed I didn't I think for a short period of time I thought that's what I had to do so I thought like yeah I guess I'm gonna get married and have kids but I realized when I was in my four-year relationship which was a high school thing it was high school to college and um he would talk about us being together and and I would talk about like hey you know when you have kids one day you can't act like that and he was like what do you mean when I have kids when we have kids and then mm. I realized like oh wait a minute I don't think I I don't know if I want kids and then I was like oh wait I don't know if I want to get married um and and my parents relationship was very dysfunctional growing up and I caught myself saying things like I don't want to get married because what if the person turns out to be crazy and people would always be like, what's wrong with you? Why would they turn out to be crazy? And I'm like, what? You don't have what? Your parents don't act the way these two do? Like, they're nuts. Like, my parents are fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> and now they're great. And, I, you know, they've figured their shit out. Um, but it took me a long time to work out of, oh, wait, people aren't crazy. Um, and, of course, ending up in an abusive relationship didn't help that thinking um and now I'm at a point again through a lot of therapy and realizing that I make better judgment calls now like you're you fear those relationships when you're not sure if you can make the right judgment call about somebody um and now I'm like no I I think I'm I'm better at seeing who people are and I, and I'm okay if a relationship doesn't work out um, where before I don't think I, I had those kinds of capabilities as much. You know, you're young. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, now I, I, I think relationships are great. I mean, I'm in a healthy one. Um, but I also love when I'm single. I love when I'm single. I fucking love it. Um, it this is also great. I just passed COVID with my boyfriend uh. and it was nice to have somebody there. Um, but... You know, I, so I feel like there's been an involvement for sure. I have a, a healthier look on relationships, but maybe I'm a little bit like you, Liza. I'm still like the, I would like somebody to choose me every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, of course, like there's um, the, what you're talking about with, you know, being an East Indian and that kind of pressure, like, of course I cannot understand at all, but I do think a lot about like my grandmother for example who had like no choices in her life you know yeah and I feel like it's kind of a responsibility to like <laughs> celebrate that we do have choices when so many generations of women before us had fewer choices or almost no choices um and, it, and yeah and that makes it that makes being in a relationship such a um cool thing it's like this is a thing I want instead of having it you know like hoisted upon me by the universe the world yeah no it's so true so true I also love Natasha that you said um that you know you you learned to be okay you said it better than I'm going to but be okay with when relationships end like that that's okay and I think that's such like a thing that I have also started to learn and understand even though I wasn't in serious relationships just like that didn't work out and it's okay rather than staying hung up on that guy and why didn't he like me and making it all about me um we're also big into therapy on this podcast and I feel like that's Yay. the only reason I'm okay like in a relationship now and again not that that has to be it was also why I was healthier and okay when I was single and finally like being able to enjoy that um but it's just tricky it's it's tough. I actually really believe that that's half the battle of why people avoid relationships is because they don't think that they can be okay after. Mm -hmm. And because like, you know, I get it. For all of us, like I was that quintessential, you know, person who refused to put her, her heart on her sleeve after I got hurt. I was just that person that wanted to protect myself, but didn't know I was doing that. I just thought I was playing super cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, fuck that. I don't want to fuck a relationship. I don't want to be your girlfriend. Like, I'm good. Like, you do you. I do me. But it was really, obviously, like, classic just trying to protect myself. Um, and then after realizing, like, what am I protecting myself from? What did I think was going to happen if... I ended up in something and I got hurt again. Um, but I knew that it was because in the past when I had gotten my heart broken, it hurt so fucking much. 
and especially the abusive one, I was like, I don't, I don't ever want to go through this again. And it took me again, a lot of time to realize, oh, now I wouldn't get into that situation. Mm -hmm. Now I would be like, see you later, buddy, like way (laughs) quicker. Yeah. You know, Um, and then I think then you feel powerful. Then you feel empowered to be in a relationship and it's okay. And that's what I think like, you know, your podcast and um, and others that that empower young people to to realize like you have you have the power to change your your own outcome. Yeah, I think is very helpful. But yeah, it's like our premise, you know, riffed on a silly rom-com, but it was really you just captured it. Like it wasn't because like Liza and I thought I needed to find a partner, but it was like I had never, ever taken control over my dating life ever. And it actually was like from my therapist who was like, you need to just go on like a hundred dates. You you act like everything is happening to you. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts. I feel like when I hear commitment phobe or like fear of commitment, I don't always think about it the way you just explained it. I, I look back and I'm like, as much as I felt like I – wasn't a commitment phobe because I would find these guys and want them to date me as well. I kind of was always picking the wrong guys, maybe subconsciously, so it didn't work out. How do you describe kind of, you know, I know you talk about this a lot on kind of dating, but when we think about commitment issues, are there any ways that those manifest that people like might not realize, they might not realize they're a commitment phobe, do you think? Yes. And that's, thank you for that question, because that's exactly what kind of dating is about or what my perspective on commitment phobia is about it's not the fuck boys it's not the fuck girls because there are lots of those too right or the fuck people whatever (laughs) it's just that it's not the people who are blatantly like I don't want to be in a relationship it's the ones like us who chose the wrong people knowingly you knew you knew this person is not available. They're telling you they're not available. They're mm-hmm. showing you in every form known to man they're not available. But you're still like, I think that maybe if they met me, they'll be available. Um, I was notorious for this one, long distance relationships. Notorious. I mean, there was a point that my friends were like, oh, who's calling? Is it Vancouver? Is it London? Like, is it Philly? <laughs> like, I had somebody in a different place. And mentally, it was because I wanted to be, I'm very independent. And that's probably my hard part in a relationship is like, you know, not ever liking feeling claustrophobic or like I have to do everything with this person. Um, And so it was a great way for me to be tied to somebody and not get into trouble. But I also didn't have to do any relationship things. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to let it progress because like, when the, I was, I knew I was never going to move to London. I yeah. knew London had a big career that wouldn't want to move here, but I was still dating London. Mm-hmm. Or you know, and like that was that was such a habit where I finally had to be like, whoa, what am I, what am I doing, dating people constantly in a different city? Now, I know I've become better because I know I wouldn't even date somebody like I'm in LA. Now I'm like, oh my god, if you're you know. In Ventura, that's probably too far. <laughs> um, so, so it's like those those little subtle behaviors that I think are commitment phobic versus these big um, stereotypical views of what commitment phobia is. Um, even being jaded, even being the person that's like, I guys are guys are dicks. All guys are dicks. That's just you protecting yourself. And that's a form of commitment phobia. So like these are all the things that I like to sort of point out versus the, yeah, the very stereotypical behaviors. Totally. Yeah, it's funny because it's like it's so hard to change your own habits. And it's so, I feel like I was in the same kind of dating rhythm and habit for like six years like it just and I it was and it was completely about protecting myself and protecting my feelings and I would have described myself as a commitment phobe I very much kept people at arm's length I was very like I'm cool nothing gets to me like can't touch this you know which is such I'm such a like an emotional Gemini disaster that's absolutely false are you a Gemini yeah oh my god when's your birthday <laughs> May 28th no way that's my birthday shut up oh my god <laughs> Birthday twins. Okay. 
amazing. I, th- and we like, both don't believe in marriage. This is like incredible. I feel like I haven't discovered a birthday twin in a really long time, like since I college. Yeah. That's wow. magical. That makes me wow. Super great happy. vibes, guys. I think it's a great birthday. I think it's one of the best. It's oh, it's usually one. honor around Memorial Day. Exactly. I know. Now that you're in America, yep, we have a nice to be little a big party. Totally three. There's we usually get a three day weekend packed yep. into our birthday. It's a very it's a nice one. Oh my very god, well, true. That's extremely exciting. Um, but yeah, like it's it's so self protection is just so it's such a false sense of security. This and mm. and I ca- I keep not learning this. Like I am taking like kind of a big, like I took kind of like a big professional risk this year. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm going to just face all this rejection, blah, 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 whatever. And my therapist was like, well, basically her argument was like, well, you can protect yourself and pretend like it won't hurt if you, like, I basically like applied for something and I was like, I don't want to like, you know, if I don't get in, it's going to be so horrible. So I'm just going to like tell myself I don't really want it. And she was like, you're going to be hurt either way. You realize that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't get in, it's going to hurt whether or not you tell yourself over and over again you're not gonna like get accepted to this or you know and that was something that still at like age 32 I was like oh shit like I used to feel this way about my romantic life and I still haven't really learned that self-protection just doesn't work like it's it's all nonsense but the impulses are really strong to do it yeah no very you're you're very right I mean it's it's funny but what you just said because I'm starting to apply my dating the stuff that I've learned in the dating world into my professional career Mm. are you guys sort of doing that too where I'm like I'm like the way I got to a point that I was I'm okay if a relationship happens and okay if a relationship doesn't I'm like I need to get like that with my career (laughs) where if it works okay great if it doesn't work okay great but how do you do that when there's money attached? Yeah. No, totally. A good point, though. But yeah. I, I don't know if I've been like actively doing it, but now I'm going to because, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, there's there, so many doubts that the, the, the self doubting, the self deprecating that, you know, we even get called out on this podcast for sometimes. <laughs> Love you guys. Sorry. We're trying. But it's just, it's so, you know, you both said it. The habits are so hard to break. Um, yeah. Speaking of Natasha, you know, can you talk a little bit more about, and it, obviously for everybody it's different, but how you did break those habits. It's like pretty remarkable. I feel like you had very difficult relationships, especially being in an abusive relationship and obviously talking about therapy, but just kind of how you've transformed your view and um, on commitment and just relationships in general. Yeah, I mean, it it was a process for sure, you know, and uh, I do think therapy was the biggest um, force that was, you know, gave me a lot of tools. Um, As somebody, again, I grew up in an environment where, you know, in Indian culture, you don't do therapy, you don't, uh, I've been wanting to go to therapy since I was 16. And my family was always like, you'll figure it out, you'll figure it out. And, you know, when I finally got to a point that I came out of an abusive relationship, I was so broken, couldn't feel I had physically, emotionally numb, like nothing, nothing. I was a shell of myself. Um, I hate I've I've deleted pictures from that era because Mm. it was just so bad to even look at. And and I finally had to be like, okay, you you either lose yourself or you try to figure out how you got into this in the first place and why that felt normal to you. And so through therapy, I, you know, started unlocking like, of course, originally the childhood stuff, um, which is the part that I tell everybody, like, that's the hard part in the beginning that, you know, I'm sure you guys have felt that too. That first like six months of therapy is the fucking worst. It's the worst. It's like, it's like you just opened up a can of worms and you just can't close it. And you're like, fuck, it's too Mm -hmm. much. You go home crying after therapy sessions all the time. But that's okay. Like that's the stuff like just feel it. Just fucking feel it. And then when I came out of that, I still made a lot of mistakes. I made mistakes for years until I ended up, you know, sort of again finding myself when I first moved to L.A. in this kind of toxic relationship on off with somebody. um, Found myself again depressed on the floor. And I was just like, wait, what just happened? 
And then I started noticing myself doing things where I was sort of harming myself, but not physically harming myself, but emotionally by I would go out and just fuck a random guy to try to get back at the douchebag that I was dating. But then I was like, wait, douchebag doesn't know I'm hooking up with random guy to get mad at him. I'm just doing this to me. And now I'm going home feeling like shit because Mm -hmm. nothing was satisfying. And I got to a point where there was a time commitment phobia was satisfying for me. There was. It was a point that I was like having fun with it. I almost sort of enjoyed the label of the girl who didn't give a shit. Mm. And then I finally was like, wait, this actually doesn't even feel good anymore. Like, there's a point where you can have sex enough and just be like, whatever. Like, I just don't care. Like, this dick is no different than that dick. And and then I, I realized, like, oh, wait, dick feels better when you're actually in love. And And so then I had to really start making decisions that were, like, cutting those people out of my life. Um, putting myself first. I started doing a, I actually stopped dating. There was a point where for like a year I was like not going to date at all Um, and just sort of cleansed myself and started doing things I like to do for me. Um, I just started making it about me uh, in a healthy sense where the old commitment phobia makes it about you but in an unhealthy way if that makes sense. Um, And, uh, and, you know, I really, the biggest thing was I started lining up my actions and my words. And I don't know about you guys, but starting a podcast made me very accountable. And it made it that if I said one thing, I had to do it because I couldn't ethically feel like, oh, I could do this podcast and not um, follow through with the shit I was telling people about. Um And so, yeah, like, and I would say, again, the biggest switch in my head, you know, without going too fucking long about this, but the biggest switch in my head was um, knowing I'd be okay. Mm. And when I said that to myself, I was like, oh, okay. What the fuck have you been fearing this whole time? Like, you're going to be all right. Like, if I end up in an other abusive relationship, I'll leave. And then I'll be okay. If Then that was it. Like just knowing that. And that's actually what I believe is the root of commitment phobia. I don't think it's options. I don't think it's that, oh, we have too much stimuli or, you know, whatever. I believe the reason we are commitment phobes is because we don't know how to cope with our feelings. We don't know how to cope with having our heart broken. We don't know how to cope with breaking somebody else's heart. We don't know how to cope. And when you don't know how to cope, you avoid feelings mm-hmm. and you avoid yeah. intimacy because and once you get to a point where you're like, OK, you know, my, I was living with my ex. He cheated on me after all of this, after I had gotten to a good state and that happened and everybody was like, Tash, don't go back to old Tash. And I was like, no, I'm actually really good. Like, I feel blessed in a way that I found out sooner than later. I'm glad I know. And off he goes. I kicked him out of my house. And then, like, I was great. And I didn't go back. And then I knew, like, okay, I'm in a healthier place now. Yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing realization, that that moment of being like, oh, I'm going to be fine. And it comes with being comfortable being single and knowing that, like, we aren't defined by our relationships. But it's just so interesting. I feel like it's so wise what you said about commitment phobia the root of commitment phobia being not knowing how to deal with our feelings because i also think that's an argument for if you if you do believe the global you out there listeners that there are more men tend to be more commitment phobic than women which i don't know if i believe that but i i don't know i i think in new york they are um i think it's because men are taught to deal with their feelings like even less than women are this is my this is my like hill i'll die on it's just like the patriarchy is so bad for everyone including men and like it's it, it's that's when you said that Natasha that like that's what it's about I was like oh my god yeah that's what it's about so like incredible wisdom that you're dropping for free <laughs> <laughs> and then Natasha this is kind of jumping but I know if I were listening I'd want to know how did you meet your current boyfriend how did that come about? yeah we met on hinge um 
And I'm not a big dating app person just because like uh, I love I love the idea of them. My personality isn't always suited for it where I'm very cognizant that like I don't put notifications on my phone. So I would like forget that I started a profile and then like somebody's message hi and then I remember four days later and I'm like, oh, oh, shit. And then I go hi. And then I leave the app again and then, you know, so but we met on Hinge and and it was very sweet because like we talk about it that I did the same thing to him, which is I didn't respond right away. But that's because I don't check my my apps and phone. And um, and he asked again and he was like, hey, could I have your number? And I was like, he's hot. Sure. (laughs) And so I, I gave him my number. He texted me to go out. I still didn't respond for four days because then I fell sick. And I think it's when I had COVID the first time last February. Oh and boy. so I, yeah, which I don't know, that's another story. But <laughs> I was very sick at that time. And so blew off our, uh, he asked to meet, blew him off. And then he messaged again. And then I was like, oh, fuck, fuck, I'm such an asshole. I was like, but I was dying. So I was like, that was, I was really like, hey, I'm really sorry. Sure, let's meet. Then we had a date scheduled. I asked to reschedule it last minute. Because I was still sick. And then he very kindly and patiently waited. And then we went on um, our date. And and here's the thing. No special fireworks or anything on the first date. It was just like I think we really liked each other. And it was like, oh, this is a really nice person. And and then we went on a second date. And for both of us, it was our second date, we call our anniversary. Which is like it was just a, a special like I blinked and it was 3.30 in the morning. And I don't ever hang out that late <laughs> um so I was just like uh and then the third date was a pandemic uh they shut the world down um a few days before our third date and so then he just instead of like this fancy dinner at the bazaar that he had planned he just came over and uh um and then we were both like hey you know for safety like are you good not to bring other people into this and he was like yeah and then just sort of, that was it. <laughs> wow. The timing yeah. of that with the pandemic. I, I know. Mean, wow. Very lucky. But, you know, a lot of people ask, they're like, oh, what ha- what changed this time? I don't know how you guys feel. One thing is, like, I don't believe there's a formula to this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't say anything magical happened. I did. I wasn't dating the year before. Because I was, again, in a phase where I was like, I just need to cleanse my palate. I just need to know what's good for me and focus on myself. And then was genuinely ready to come back. And the only thing I did differently that I can say is on Hinge, I paid um, to do a three-month paid where I could pick exactly what I wanted because (laughs) I was just like... Please don't hate me, new listeners, but I'm a little bit of a heightist. That's my thing, okay? That's my vain flaw. I admit it. It's not like I've never dated somebody who was short. I have. I just know that I'm actually more attracted to people who are 5'10 plus. It's not my fault. Um, And so I wanted to just be able to specify all my shit. Yeah. And that was the only difference that I – that's the only thing I changed. I also think sometimes paying for something makes you take it seriously. You know, like I've downloaded like free, like healthy, like lifestyle change app things. And like I never use them. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get one where I pay five bucks a month and I use it. You know, like it's a small shift, but it's like, oh, no, I do want to be intentional about this. It's like you took a year off intentionally. You're going to like pay some pay some cash to hinge. Um, Yeah, the paying thing was it was my first time doing it. But yeah, it was that I was just really like, you know what, do you just want to date anymore? And I really got to a point where hard for me to say out loud, but I was like, I think I want a relationship or I want (laughs) to only date people who want a relationship. So then I was like, be specific. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. Um, It goes back. It goes right back to your comment earlier, Natasha, about the podcast and accountability, like paying for something. We talk about that a lot. For me, it took a creative project. I was like, Liza, let's do this thing and make a podcast of it and I'll go on these dates. Um, But whatever it takes, I think, if you want to be intentional about dating or not dating, I love that you brought that up because we people are like, I did all the dates and it didn't work. And I'm always like, no, 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 this is not. We are not experts. This is not like a, a formula. It's just more of the vibe of like, go on a date, like try it out, especially if you're like me or like I was like not a big, um, 
I would date people casually for long periods of time. I wasn't meeting new people all the time. So I think more, I don't know, we are also always just happy to remind people, especially in a year like this, take a break when you need it as well because they're really important. Very good point. Yep. Um, We're going to wrap with a few little, you know, feelings-y questions that – you know, don't you don't need to have any like brilliant wisdom. I know we didn't put these <laughs> earlier, but we this is our other cheesy question. We ask if you could like wave a magic wand and change anything about dating today. What would you change? What would you like make better? Yeah, I I mean that's a that's a great question. What the fuck would I change? Um, everything. No, I know. Uh, I I don't even know my answer. Quite frankly, uh, I I would change. I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to change people, but I want to change their fear. Mm-hmm. This like irrational fear, you know, again, of what we just said. Yeah. Um, that and just just let them know that one thing that they'll be OK. I think that's that's very good. And I think, you know, if we were all a little bit more um, fearless in dating, it would just be or more okay with sharing our feelings and being vulnerable. It would be a better dating pool. Um, and then also, do you have any kind of advice? It could be actionable. It could just be, we asked you kind of what you learned over, you know, your your life so far dating. But anything you kind of, we, we talk about a lot. Like, I feel like I got to my 30s and I realized some things that I just wish I realized earlier. Is there like a nugget of like dating advice? It could be tiny. It could be like existential that you wish you knew earlier lots my god so many things so many things um I wish I could have told myself when I was younger to trust myself Mm. um I think I always knew when something was not right for me and I am a notorious people pleaser I'm still working on this Um, I'm much better now but when I was young I actually ended up in a lot of relationships I didn't even want to be in Mm. because people convinced me I should from the beginning from my high school relationship you know not not the four-year one my very first boyfriend I didn't like him Mm. and everybody told me no he really likes you you should go out with him he's so nice and I was like oh okay and I ended up getting cheated on after a month it was like not even a relationship I I like held his hand I didn't do shit but like I still got cheated on I was like I didn't even want to be in this like I don't even like you um but that ended up happening a lot like I was in a two and a half year relationship with a guy in India you know where like what the fuck was I thinking but everybody convinced me well you guys are such close friends and I'm like yeah but like I'd don't know if I like him like that, but everybody convinced me. So um, abusive relationship. I knew, I even said no. He begged me to be in the relationship, which should never happen. Um, but I went against my own instinct because I go, well, this person's crying and telling me that they love me so much. Like, I'm like, well, maybe he knows something I don't know. But it was really like I knew everything. Um, and so, you know, the... The one thing I would say is is trust your true gut instinct, not what everybody else is telling you. And if that means you sit down and meditate or do whatever, write it out, however you process um, information, um, trust yourself with that. And, and the one other little tiny thing I'll say is I guarantee every single person listening, I guarantee you, this is, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, but I do, I guarantee it. You will know exactly what the problem of your relationship is in your first week. Hmm. Not, I, I don't even, I, I would even argue your first date, but I'll still give you a week. Within one week of either action or inaction, you will find out what exactly will, is the thing the through line of your relationship and every relationship I've ever had if I look back I knew the answer Mm. I actually knew on the first date but then you know like abusive guy disappeared on me in the first week if I had known if I had just trusted that four days in he would disappear on me that that would have been the exact pattern of our entire relationship I would have saved myself a fucking year of Mm. torture um 
but all of it doesn't have to be that bad either. It could just be the, the little things like somebody saying that they're always busy. If they told you on the first date that they're busy all the time, they're probably just going to be busy all the time. Mm. And then don't be surprised that that's what they are. Um, so I would just, yeah, like trust people of what they're saying in the in the first week um, or, or doing um, and just trust your your gut instinct. It's a good very wise. We're all so I'm sorry. Guys. Not at all. Are you kidding? No, no, that was great. I feel like it's so it's so helpful for people to hear because we were talking about this on a recent episode. Like so many people I know make excuses for their partner, their significant other or their there's some kind of like equivocation in talking about their relationship. And I feel like it's just listen to that. Like, what are you how are you trying to package this person to your parents or your friends or whatever? Like there's some, you know, no one is perfect and no one's going to like slide seamlessly into your life. But if those things are big, like you already know them, you already, every, like I, I really feel this way. Like you already know the answer to whether or not you should be with somebody. And it's a gut feeling. 100%. I, uh, I wish I had been smarter earlier. I wish I had listened to what you just said, Natasha, much earlier on a podcast Same. in my life. Well, we've all been brainwashed into believing that we have to be with someone or we don't, we aren't valuable, we aren't valued, we aren't whatever. Like, it's it's so baked into our brains. It takes a long time to, like, unbake that cake. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm a comedy writer. And so I I always joke that I'm like the worst part about being in a relationship is I can't make single jokes anymore. And, like, I just, I miss it. I miss my, sometimes I miss a single life and just... I loved being by myself. I love me now. Like I used to hate like being alone. Now I'm like, fuck, I just. Yeah, I'm so good by myself. <laughs> I mean, it's the dream. Yeah, it's an incredible feeling. It's a very powerful feeling. And it's like, however you get, you guys can get there, listeners. Get there. Just do what yeah. everything you Natasha said. <laughs> all right natasha thank you so much for this um i'm going to tease that we'll be on your podcast as well so everyone we should breadcrumb something here we're getting into more about toxic relationships there so tune in um but where can they find you your podcast follow you and everything thank you guys so much firstly for um letting me be on you guys are so amazing and so fucking personable and i can see why everybody loves uh this podcast um uh, you can find Kinda Dating wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on social media at Kinda Dating across the board. I am uh, at Natasha Chandel. I'm super complicated in advance. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, where I'm super political. So if you're not into that, don't follow me there. Um, Natasha Chandel official on uh, Facebook, and Natasha dot Chandel on TikTok, where I just am wild and nuts and. A completely different side. I'm impressed. And we're going to link all of that below. So it will be nice and simple for everybody listening to go follow Natasha everywhere. And Natasha, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I think everyone's going to be obsessed with you if they aren't already. <laughs> I am. Birthday. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're the best. <laughs> ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 